Welcome to Hoop Fiends, the NBA podcast where everyone is constantly wondering what they got to say now. What are they got to say now? That's right. We're back after a pretty, pretty, pretty good NBA Finals and actually have a good amount to say. We're going to be chatting about the hopes and dreams of the future of our us, of our Celtics from our local Celtics fan and the dramatic effects that, and the lasting effects of everyone's legacy from this NBA Finals. And because this league just never stops, we're going to be releasing a very quick two-parter right after this on the NBA draft. Let's get right into it. Riley, you've had some time to sit and stew in it. Are you, ha- do you are you walking away being like, all right, this is a great growing experience, or like, wow, this is one that just got away? Well, if you had talked to me Thursday night, by the end, I was, I was just sad. Friday, I was mad. And then... Now I think I've had enough time to get over it, and I'm I'm happy that it all happened. I'm happy the experience happened for not only me but obviously the players on the team, and uh, you know, Absolutely. man, I mean, Boston fans need to eat some humble pie every once in a while. So I'm pretty uh, proud of you. That's good stuff, man. It's all good. It's all good. As someone I, who can't consider themselves like a Celtics fan, but I do like the Celtics and for them. I think that's the best perspective to have. Like. Really big, some made some huge leaps and through everyone. Like you had it there, but like God, you, were you even in the playing tournament in January? No, dude. They were you were like, down with us. Ready. You were down with the Knicks at that point. Yeah, <laughs> remember we were talking about oh man, like the Knicks and the uh, Celtics are at the same place. But you guys are supposed to be feel more optimistic about your <laughs> team. Yeah. Yeah. Now, hey man, end of the season, they. Literally shouldn't have got made it this far. It's crazy that they even went to six games. So, yeah, especially, especially with this guy Tatum on the team who like can't take over in clutch situations. Oh. Pretty bad. Oh god. He <laughs> um, let the team down. What do we think about Tatum? Uh, well, I kind of am now just taking the take that I think he was just tired because he just <laughs> played so many minutes. But hey, man, the, the, at the same time, I think that's rightfully can be called that as Homer BS and solid shit. He just didn't really play well. It kind of fell apart, especially in at, in game six, man. I was, I, I watched it with John and he could testify to this. I, I, the whole time I was like, where is he? Where did he go? Like yeah. he was shrinking out he there. out of it. He just seemed out of it. Really out of it. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. Definitely not what you want. Um, it was Jalen's game. Yeah. Yeah. So as someone who hopped on the immediate, like, Jason Tatum is a fraud bandwagon just because I only did that because that's exactly what was going to happen if Steph lost. So I was just giving Jason Tatum the rightful banter he deserved. But, I mean, it was clear. The guy, the guy's like 20, what, 24, 25? He's tw- right now he's 24. 24 and played just way too many minutes. And that just goes to show that the Celtics just had no depth and there was just nothing they could do. They just had to play him and Jalen Brown like every minute of every game. Otherwise, they were screwed. And it just came back to haunt them after three or two seven-game series and then a deep six-game series here. Days later, that ended up being my biggest takeaway. If you go back and listen to our finals preview recording, you're going to hear me confidently saying that I feel like the Celtics just have more random guys that could get hot and have it be their game than the Warriors did. And, man, that is quite literally the opposite that ended up happening. 
I mean, I don't even know if there was that many random warriors that got hot. I think they all just kind of came, came together and ended up playing their best basketball they ever have. I guess you could give that award to Andrew Wiggins, but he started, so that's kind of expected for him. But, yeah, but it, it was random for him to become like an elite player. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> like all of a sudden he was Akeem Olajuwon out there. I think he could be an elite number two on any team. I think he's as good as – no, it's, I, I, he's like a Chris Middleton type, right? Like for the rest of his career. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's acceptable. I think he's a great supporting cast. Um, I love that video going around of him and Poole being like, you're about to get a bag. No, we're about to get a bag. Like, <laughs> they just know it. They're a good time. That team really clicks through with each other. And the Celtics didn't have anyone like that that stepped up. And if, if anything, guys shrunk away. And I just feel like you can't always expect Al Horford, Al Horford to do that, even though he had a really good game six, just affecting the ball and affecting the game in ways that don't even come up in stats. So, and again, too, I feel like it's a really hard team. I'm sure you've, you're, you've been doing this in circles these pl- last few days, right? Like, I feel like it's a, the Celtics are a tough team to add to right now because they have so many switch guards and people that I feel like it would be tough to, like, mess with that chemistry. But what you do need is just, like, a backup guard just to give those guys some rest. Yeah, the two things that they're going to have to try to address, and make no mistake, as happy as everyone is that they've made it here, there's definitely work that needs to be done because – I think at this point we can all confidently say that if Chris Middleton was healthy, there's no way that they're even here. And honestly, probably the Bucks win the whole thing. No doubt um, in my mind, honestly, yeah. I think so. I think so too, because the Warriors just would not have any, um, any answer for the freak. Yeah, exactly. But um, definitely a backup point guard. And I would also try to find another wing to maybe you can help give Tatum – and Browns some rest, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, they need yeah. another starting caliber wing. You know who? Because you know who's not that wing? It's fucking Grant Williams. And as much as I was shooting no. Jason Tatum for fun, I will take credit here and just say it was ridiculous the praise that that man was getting for that game in Milwaukee. When again, I they literally left the man wide open on purpose every single play, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, Grant Williams had eight threes or whatever the number of threes it was." And look what he did in the next two playoff series. He was absolute garbage. I hate that guy. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I would agree with that, <laughs> especially having like someone who can maybe create their own shot a little bit more. Because Grant Williams just kind of just stands there. He just thinks he's the best player in the world, and he sucks, and it just bothers yeah. me. I don't mind awful. Grant Williams. Actually, just to quickly go off of that, right, as obviously the biggest Celtics fan here, how does, like, the Grant Williams, like, emerging leader type of, like, little snippets and mic'd up moments that we get, like, rub off on you? Well, I just We're think it's funny because – well, yeah, I mean, I said that to you because I think he's only an emergency, um, emerging leader in his mind only. I don't think anybody else even likes him. Even Deuce. I, yeah, Deuce doesn't like him. Ime actually straight up hates him. Like, you can just tell. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, think it's funny. They're going to try to, like – I think he does have a bit of trade value now, actually. I don't, And I don't think he's as bad as you are painting him. Steven, no, he I fucking think he, sucks. I hate that guy. I know what you. I know what you mean. He has value, but they no. should trade him while he still has value. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, well, I guess we can. I can bring this up now because the the thing that I got planted into my brain today that I have now just been mulling back and forth, back and forth all day, and I haven't even still landed on what to do. But what if? Because they have a trade exception. Uh, I'm try- I don't even remember how much money they have. 
dedicated to it that they can use utilize next year. So maybe they can utilize that trade exception and package Grant Williams to send over to Washington for Beal. Because that, Why? I mean, that's been the talk the entire time. Tatum and Beal, like together, they love each other, blah, blah, blah. I still don't really know how to feel about that because well, I have my own qualms of Bradley Beal and everything. But I could see why Boston would do that. But what in God's name is Washington <laughs> going to be like? All right, Grant for Bradley Beal. That sounds good. That's blowing it up because, and if they do well, another, I think if they do a separate move this summer, like when they get rid of, um, like uh, I don't think actually I don't think they're going to keep Kuzma either. So for when they get rid of him or or like KCP, if they get some other guy in that, if they want to like tag well, on. It would all be sent. It would all be centered around salary dumps because Bradley Bill is going to be. He's a free agent this year, I think. He's got to walk, um, or else he becomes the at, king of the boring he, athletes. I'll be so well, happy. He, he, dude, he could make. He could make like fifty million a year for like five years. Like if he wanted, to. he could make like two hundred fifty million dollars or something crazy. Yeah, go like get that. a bag. Um. Oh, and I think he will. And that's the thing. So Washington, probably, if they don't want to pay him that. They should just try to trade him for assets or like Williams bunch of expiring contracts. Grant Williams. Well, he's, just, uh, he's, just ex- just he's more of just an expiring, basically just an expiring contract <laughs> so they can just bottom out and tank. I do like the, the world though. Could you imagine how hilarious it is if there's like a Washington Wizards press conference like, <laughs> we're building our team around Grant Williams? I think I would quit basketball fandom because that would just de- devalue everything I've thought of basketball. From Grant, Grant Williams, Kyle Kuzma, and Christoph Sporzingis. <laughs> the, the, the big three. Joe House might end it all. Joe House would call it quit. She's like, what are we doing? Yeah, I, um, I, I gotta mean, get rid of him and upgrade and upgrade the guards, which is crazy. And I'm thinking about it now. It's, I feel like they tried to do that with Schroeder a bit and some other guards in the past, and just quite hasn't worked. So, but you have to do it, and I feel like they have to be really careful about it. No, yeah, yeah I mean, I still I like Derek White. I I know like people hate him now because that was he a great move. Pretty, he's a good backup he didn't have guard. A great end of this. Yeah, I think he's a great backup guard. I've always been a fan of his. Uh, maybe with more time to gel with the team, he can try to get a little more confident in his shot and his role in the offense. Next year should probably help him there. But, yeah, I don't really know. I, honestly, they may not even try to address a backup guard because they feel like they have Derek Way and they don't need to do that. But, uh, yeah, we'll the, see. the only other player I kind of wanted to jump down their throat a little bit was Marcus Smart. And I think it's not even, like, about him as a player. I just think his role on this team just – is what kind of costs you guys this championship. And it's because, I mean, the only thing wrong with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is that these guys just can't fucking dribble the basketball. And, like, that's, like, a sad problem to have. But, like, if that's the only problem they have, then all you need is a point guard that can take care of it. And, unfortunately, Marcus Smart isn't really, like, a game manager, control the game point guard. And that's really, like, all they're missing is, like, a a Chris – obviously, Chris Paul is one in a million. But, like, a guy like that who can just – control run your offense and like run everything for your guys get them in open space get them the ball and marcus smart just isn't that he's just like thinks he's steph curry and flops around all the time how yeah. high is and jones I mean, the ball handler can you like give him some money tyus jones i yeah. mean yeah i mean yeah i don't know what so maybe you don't need if like he a wants f- to yeah so i feel like you can't have like an earth shattering pick up here because I, I think I don't want to really mess with like smart the smart brown Tatum like nucleus I think this guard still has to be a backup 
And I think as much as you do need like really strong ball handling, that can kind of come off the bench and like relieve Smart. So like Tyus in that spot. I I just don't want them to like. So I guess the example I'm thinking, I would hate it if they just like gave Malcolm Brogdon so much money. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know uh, what they're gonna what they're gonna be doing. You just know they're gonna address. They're gonna have to address something. And I I would like to circle back to that one point. And one thing that makes me really optimistic about this team is I feel like I talk about him all the time, but. Jalen Brown, like showing up in big moments in this series was huge. I think not only for, for me as a Jalen Brown fan, but for him and probably yeah. a lot of the public's outlook on him for how, how he can actually show up and have to take over the game away from Tatum at moments instead of be, as most people presume is him in the shadow. And I do think that Brown and Tatum, if they are like the dogs that everyone says they are, um, they're going to be in there working on learning how to dribble the basketball. And it shouldn't, in theory, shouldn't be that hard to learn. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Really shouldn't be that hard to learn. If if they can just work on that, I I think the sky's the limit for their offense and how they both can play. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm I'm optimistic. I think the future is <laughs> bright. Yeah, but we'll see. Well, I think one thing, too, about your future, I'm sorry, we haven't touched on him once today, but we've touched on him a few times uh, throughout the year. Robert Williams is fucking amazing. That guy is, like, one of the best yes. players I've ever seen. Jesus Christ. The athleticism, Dude, the defense, he... he does everything. He could pass. My God. And he wasn't even healthy. Yeah, dude, those, those like, 47 games a year where he's healthy, watch out. Like, he's just incredible. Oh, I know. Yeah. Him and Jalen Brown were my biggest takeaways from that series. It's like, those guys are freaking dogs. They're amazing. Jason Tatum just, like, I don't get what the headspace was because, like, yeah, he. I don't, I'm not going to actually, like, rip on him. I don't think you can actually, like, actually go out there and say, like, that guy sucks. Like, I can't believe he did that. I, I do it for fun just because I think he deserves it, deserves a little hate. But – He's fine. Like, but what what is this like finishing? Like he's trying to draw these fouls. He, we said it before. He just like thinks he's like James Harden or like Trey Young sometimes. It's like, why? You're so tall, you're so yeah. strong. Just like go up and finish strong and stop trying to draw contact. That's like the worst way to play. And it like screws him up a little bit. And then he just like, yeah. he, he let it affect his headspace. And you could literally see it on the court. I think the Golden State feasted on that. Yeah, no, you're definitely right there. Um sad to see but again he's a younger dude I, I i feel like he's gonna only have to get better but i i don't know i also have found the whole like is jason tatum like the best player in the league is he like a top whatever player in the league experience for the past like two months just absolutely exhausting yeah so i, I just i just don't even really want to deal with it anymore he's not better than luca like no it's okay no. yeah he's like a board we we got close to getting him into the top five and like he, we're, it's just like he's like borderline top 10 at best like that, yeah. that's where he should be would you guys put him over booker uh i would i would have but not anymore i would have before this series i would just because i think Tatum has a much stronger upside. I would say this. I would. I just think he truly got better and better each series in the playoffs, except for the finals. I think from the Nets series to the Bucks series and the Bucks series to the Heat series, he just looked so much more comfortable out there. I think he just was partially gassed, but also just was like, holy shit, I'm facing this like pedigree, this championship pedigree level team, and they just kind of figured him out. So 
and I think he has a lot more room to continue to get better. Where I, I'm not sure what how Booker can continue to improve. I think he kind of is the player he is at this point. I think both those guys are better than Donovan. I I don't know. I always loop those three in the same tier. Yeah, I, I'd take Tatum over Donovan at this point. Actually, I would have said after the Celtics beat the Heat, it's Tatum over Jimmy, but I'm back to Jimmy over Tatum as well after this. Sure. Like, yeah, I mean, a, that, that one's too close for me. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I would take Tatum over Booker. Before Chris Ball got there, Devin Booker didn't win anything except a bunch of bubble basketball games. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, that's he won eight of them in a row, though. Oh, wow. That's good. That almost <laughs> got him into the playoffs. You're right. That was really cool. Of him. Almost did. That's so funny. It, they, Celtics as a whole, like, as time goes on, should walk away with their held, held, held up pretty high. I think they kind of did. I feel like in a lot of the post-game interviews, of course, that's what you say as you're leaving. But they, I feel like this is not going to, like, they're not going to be a team who gets there and, like, kind of vanishes, you know, like a lot of teams will do, will do a lot of the time, in, like, in the conference finals. I think they're there. I think they have a really strong core. And I think you have to be really impressed with Ime. Throughout the playoffs, who can make really good switches and just coach his guys and got them all to buy in. And when they had that huge turnaround. So the future is really bright. Yeah, I agree. I think just in the end, the takeaway is literally like these Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are it. You could have your criticisms of both. The nucleus is there. And like they just literally have to learn how to dribble. That's the takeaway. Can they yeah. learn how to dribble yeah. basketball and finish? Like, and that's pretty, yeah. pretty like not big of a deal of a takeaway. Yeah, I I think that's right. It just boils down to at the end of the day, they got here earlier than they should have, and that's cool. It's great it's that experience, but it's not like this team should have won the the entire thing. Like, let's be real here. Yeah, they, they should see the holes they have and be able to build off of it. Like, it, again, this shouldn't be, like, a complacent thing. Like, they shouldn't be like, oh, we got here. Like, we can get back. Like, they need to address a couple things, and then they'll be a championship contender again. If they get exactly. idle, I bet you they'll be screwed because they'll, yeah. they'll think, like, oh, this nucleus will be fine, and then they'll lose in, like, the semis next year and be like, what the hell happened? Exactly. They, they can't get complacent. They got to keep, keep get the bench better. You can't be relying on Peyton Pritchard. Like, they just got to get better. I'm telling you, I'm telling you guys though, when you start hearing all the Bradley Beal to Boston discourse, don't say I didn't, I didn't come up with it first. I don't hate it. I just don't understand how, in God's name, you're convincing them to take Grant Williams for him. <laughs> like, I just don't get it. It's. I'm telling you, it, it, it's good. You're gonna <laughs> yeah. just, just listen, just listen. Fair, fair. I'll let, I'll let you, I'll let you have it. I'll, I'll let you own it. Um, one last takeaway on this, though, is because I'm always going to relate this back to KD's legacy. You know what's kind of pathetic? We all were like, oh, Kevin Durant, like when he got swept by Boston, like, oh, but like this defense, whatever, like it was hard to play against, like they shut him down. Well, you know what? Look what Steph went out there and did. I just think Kevin Durant's a little pussy. That's it. That's all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I hope Hell he yeah. hears this and responds to us on social media because he how might, do, he's, that, he's that petty. He probably how do you let Stephen Steph Curry literally was better than himself in this finals, and it's like they did everything they could to try and stop that man. Yet Kevin Durant like couldn't do a single thing, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's fine. Like they play good defense." I think I even said that like at the time. But like, well, I'm I think actually, like, all right, I'll, this is what the quick thing I'll add to that. Then we'll zoom in and do a quick uh, warrior. Not a quick. We'll do a healthy amount of Warriors talk. I do think that. Durant didn't get too much heat for the way that series went. I think if Curry like got swept, he'd be crucified. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's like, what the hell is this? Yeah. 
But it's, it's, at the same time, though, like Durant's been getting it this past like the a lot this past like half week or so for a series he didn't even play in, which is really interesting. All right, so Steve, sounds like you had a wild whirlwind of a Thursday. You can get into as much or as little of that as you want, but can you put like, a nice bow on it just for what this championship means for hardcore Warriors fans like yourself? Oh, I mean, this this means the world to me. This as a hardcore Warriors fan, I'm not gonna. How much more does this mean than all the Heat championships that you, you've been experiencing? <laughs> fuck, fuck those Heat championships. Uh, I no. see the Warriors fan thing a little facetiously, but as as a major major Steph Curry fan, he's a true hero and of yours and your favorite player. Yeah, been my favorite player, and I'll t- uh, not to toot my own horn, but I was on the Steph Curry bandwagon before most, before they were very good. And it's just, it's been such a journey. And I've said it a couple times on this podcast, why this championship would mean so much. And it's just because it really validates everything. And it's Steph Curry has been a player who's gotten a lot of hate throughout the years. And he's gone toe to toe against LeBron James and a lot of arguments and players of, of this era, the best players of this generation. And as a guy who absolutely despises LeBron James, I take full pride in the Curry side of it. And all the arguments, all the LeBron James lovers and Steph Curry haters always point to, well, you won one when LeBron didn't have any help. Kyrie and Kevin Love was hurt. That one doesn't count. And when the Cavs are fully healthy, we came back from 3-1 and beat your ass. And then you needed KD to win two more. And it was just annoying. And it's been five years of that. And Steph Curry doesn't have a finals MVP this. Steph Curry doesn't have a finals MVP that. And Steph Curry hasn't been the best player on a finals team. And all of that was put to bed. I mean, That's he was crazy. an absolute superstar in this finals, took the finals MVP as much as some people wanted to give it to Wiggins after game uh, five for some reason. But it, it just, it means the world. And it was such a, I honestly, when he, the, the clock was expiring and the, the camera panned to Steph Curry crying on the, on the court, I also started crying. It felt so, I felt it like I was there with him. I felt like he was my brother. I was so happy and it meant the world. Beautifully said. I, uh, I mean, I walked away just being like, wow, this team is officially – I don't think they're just a dynasty, which kind of nuts to me that some people are like, is this team a dynasty? Back after the short break. Like, I don't think they're just officially a dynasty. I think they're one of the best dynasties in basketball that's ever existed. I think that they're the best dynasty of the 21st century, without a doubt, in, in basketball. So it was incredible to see just the true, like, leadership from – Steve Kerr all the way up to the top of the organization. I And I don't think they're done for a while. I think they're going to be around to play for a long time. I really do think Steph Curry can be the guard version of a Tim Duncan. Yeah. Um, I th- I love this uh, this nucleus of this Warriors. It, it is really cool and refreshing to see something like this. It is. Um, I, I think with Steph especially um, – he may be the last guy who is just going to ride it out with his one team. I mean, I don't know. Again, maybe Luca, maybe Trey, maybe John, maybe some of these young guys. Giannis. Yeah. Yeah. Gian- yeah. Giannis, exactly. But like Steph, like he may really be like one of the last guys, yeah. like Tim Duncan or like Kobe or Dirk, who just had their entire career with that one team. And that is something I think to respect and highlight in some generation and environment that's becoming so rare where everyone's jumping around a team to team and some guys, some superstars are on like their fourth and fifth teams by choice. And um, it, there's just something to be said by 
being drafted by a team and being the person who pulled them out of the lottery into stardom. That I think that's something to commend. And Steph's done that for, God, like a decade, an entire decade. It's crazy, man. It's amazing. Shout out yeah. to him. I think that's part of the magic of him and why I find him so, like, why I'm in love with him, basically, is because it's something we've never seen before, really, besides Tim Duncan. And it's the respect that he commands from his teammate and coaching staffs. It's amazing. It's absolutely absurd. And it's like, these guys, like I said, why I really was so confident in them winning was that these guys just wanted it so bad for him, and he wanted it so bad. And, like, you never see that. Even, like, LeBron's championships, it's like, yeah, LeBron and them want to win. Like, LeBron wanted to win for Cleveland, but, like, Kevin Love wasn't going out there and being like, I want to win this for LeBron because he needs to add to his legacy. No, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Iguodala, they were like, you know what, Steph? We, we know you need this, and we're playing for you. And even all the youngsters, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, this, this is their first championship. But, no, they don't even care about themselves. They're more happy for Steph. Which really says were. a lot about the person he is and how easy he is to coach. And that's what makes Steve Kerr's job so easily. And why we can get into this in future pods, but why Kenny Atkinson decided to ditch Charlotte and stay in Golden State. Why the hell would I leave? Oh, Josh Golden McDaniels. Yeah. Like, why would I leave this? Like, this is amazing. Yeah. Shout out to him. Josh, real Josh McDaniels energy coming off <laughs> of that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, I thought the. Uh, I, this team, I, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't like John where I, I was out on them from early on, but I, th- I think they always did have some some flaws, and I can't believe that they actually came together and won. And Crazy. really, at the end of the day, it was all off the back of Steph. Like, it really was. As good as Andrew Wiggins was able to show in flashes, as good as Poole was able to show in flashes, this team was fa- inconsistent the entire postseason run, I really feel like. And credit to Steph for being the one to just be like, hell no, I'm 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 winning this thing. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, amazing. that's when we hopped in. I think we recorded after game four. And we were saying like there were topics, there were debates like, is this for like is this Steph Curry run as impressive as some of these LeBron James's runs where LeBron was single handedly carrying his team to the finals and losing. And, like, it, it was so, like, incomparable because, to me, this Warriors team on paper had way more talent than those Cavaliers teams, yet the performance of the rest of the Warriors was nowhere near where it needed to be in the finals to help Steph Curry win. And I think that's why Boston was able to take two of the first game, ter- first four games was because Draymond was god-awful, Clay was hit or miss, Jordan Poole was a no-show for the most part, but yet Steph Curry was able to single-handedly and specifically yeah. game four, win two basketball games. And then that's what makes this, like, one of the all-time great playoff performances to me is that, like, he single-handedly was able to pretty much win this team the championship. And yet Clay, uh, Wiggins showed up the last two games. But was he really anywhere to be found on the first four? I don't think so. No, sir. No. Yeah. Um, I freaking hate Andrew Wiggins. I've been kind of, I've been kind of enjoying it. No, nah, that guy's a, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> he's mean. Is he's it? mean. He's just no, yeah, I, he's just a loser. He Riley's just mad because he shut down the Celtics best player. He's he seems like a little rascal out there, just kind of having fun. I think the like the zero to heroes been a good time. No. <laughs> well, 
I actually, I personally loved the rise because, like we kind of said a couple times throughout this run, we thought he was just horrible. Like we were really mean to him throughout this whole year, calling him a bullshit All Star starter. He shouldn't even be an All Star, and he probably shouldn't have been. But you know what? I still stand by that. Yeah, yeah. He probably shouldn't have been. But like you look at it, no. what he did in this playoff run, and specifically in the finals towards. He's really consistent in every series. He would get you 15 a game and literally lock down. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say lock down. Uh, he didn't lock down Luca, but he did lock down Jason Tatum. Like he actually made Jason Tatum play dog shit some games. And like, yeah, it wasn't like the oh, well, Luca still averaged 30. Like, did he really do a good job? It wasn't even that. Jason Tatum had horrible games, and that was a lot to do with Andrew Wiggins, I think. Yeah. No comment. At this time. <laughs> he just had a shot too, and I feel like he just fits in really well with this team. I feel like he was consistent across the board. I was really impressed with it. I feel like that that Duncan's the Mavs was sick. I don't know if it ended up actually counting. I forget, but I love it. I'm about it. I love that. I love when teams can find gems. Yeah, I, I just think it just speaks to what you were saying earlier too, John, about like is this team a dynasty? Whatever. What they were able to pull off with that trade, creating D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins and yeah. then getting the pick that got him James Wiseman, who, like, who knows what's going to happen with that. But still, like, that's just what dynasties do. It's an incredible, incredible job by the uh, front office to be able to pull something like that off, bring in a guy they know will gel around their best players. Definitely. And they turned him into what some may say is, like, a really valuable piece on a championship team. And what they do with him going forward, who knows? They might try and flip him at while his value's highest, or they might try and continue to build around him. But the fact that they were able to trade a guy like D'Lo, who they got for Kevin Durant, never mind you, which is crazy to think about too. He bailed him out. He could have yeah. signed him. So this is all Kevin Durant's fault in the end. <laughs> Again, <laughs> it all relates back to him. But yeah, it's just it's Your amazing. That, that stuff dynasties do, and that's why I think it's clearly a dynasty and like They've literally made the finals pretty much every year except for the years where their two best players were hurt the whole time. And like I don't understand like why they're gonna that's gonna get held against them. That wouldn't make any sense to me. And it only helped them. You can't tell the story of the twenty tens NBA without bringing up the Golden State Warriors in more than one occasion. So Absolutely. I just don't understand. It was their decade. Yeah. So it's their decade. As a team, sure. it was their decade. I mean, obviously I think as a single player it was lebron's as a team it's the golden state warriors yeah i agree for sure kind of putting a bow on all the steph curry stuff i know everyone's been doing this uh lately so i decided to take the liberty of doing it myself because i kind of wanted to see where steph curry fell on my all-time players list at this point in his career i had him moving up into number seventh all time obviously a little biased um, as being a steph curry fan but I had him ahead of uh, Kobe, Tim Duncan, and Shaq and those guys. And I just think this finals, again, was the reason why. And, like, it's just something different because Steph Curry's had all the numbers. He's had literally the game-changing elements of the NBA. And just adding this finals MVP and being the clear best player on a team that beat a good Boston Celtics team, I think that is literally the last thing he needed to vault pretty much ahead of all the – guys he was in contention with to me i don't know if you guys have put any thought into something like that yet i need to make a proper 10 but i think i this is what put me over with him over kobe yeah kind of well we don't have to do like an actual list or anything but how would you guys compare him to kobe and duncan at this point so i still have tim duncan higher uh 
because I think what Tim Duncan did as in the entire career, he, he sustained that uh, entire Spurs d- dynasty from, for th- what is it, like 13 years? 14 years or something it was crazy it was 98 Um, to 14 that they won yeah 99 to 14 and they won titles in that span crazy and i think that guy was just a proven leader he was a great teammate and i think he still his like entire roots of that into that generation are still there because he's helping out being an assistant coach um i think him and steph are relatively comparable i think uh what Tim Duncan was able to do though was just he's in like my top like five of all time. He's oh yeah, like, I mean crazy. you can't argue they're so comparable. Like especially and you could loop in Kobe I guess yeah. too. And it's like these three have done so much for their organizations and are so similar in that aspect. And I almost I almost give Curry the edge now just because I think he's going to get there. Even though Tim Duncan probably has he probably it. will exactly. Tim Duncan probably should be ahead like still as of now. But just knowing where Curry's going to go, I just already gave him the credit for it. I have Shaq and Steph, like, right next to each other because for what Shaq did for the interior post game, Curry did from yeah, outside the arc. Yeah, it's literally – very that's comparable in those aspects. Because there's, like – there was no answer for Shaq when he was, like, hot in the paint. The same way that, like, when Steph Curry's from – that way on the three-point line, it's like, I don't even know what you can do. Like, the Celtics throwing three people at him, and he's still, like, just hitting crazy shots. Yeah, that's okay. ridiculous. And yeah, that's, what, that's what vaulted him over Kobe for me. Like, Kobe's absolutely, like, one of the most aggressive and just force of nature guards that we've ever had in the NBA. And if you want to hold the Shaq titles against him, he actually kind of, like, aged like a fine wine and, like, kind of hits his prime in the late 2010s and definitely wins those last two on his own. And you know, it goes to three finals in a span of um, three years. But I think what I just have Steph completely sending over Kobe is that I think Kobe is doing, like, his best Michael Jordan impression. And while it's amazing, I don't think it's, like, unlike anything we've ever seen or changed basketball. I think Steph Curry changed basketball. And anytime someone's doing that, like you had mentioned, Riley, that's just a really significant part of their legacy. And so that's what puts him over. Uh, and now that he has this – now that stuff has a second title, it's like pretty much like impossible without him. And I, don't, and I think even I think the Durant titles are impossible without him too. Which so I, the Durant stuff is a whole other thing that we could spend some time getting into. But then he has like two undeniable ones that are like his titles puts him over Kobe for me. Yeah, I don't. But, I, I don't think you can argue. Like if someone came up to me and was like Kobe's better, I'm not gonna argue. Like I'm gonna I agree. give you my points, but like I'm not gonna say you're close. Like, it, they're, they're so comparable. But, and like, you could give the defense argument for Kobe, too, right? Kobe was all defense, what, 10 times or something like that? Whereas Curry's been nowhere near that on defense, even though he's gotten so much better. But, like, there's just arguments. Really good this postseason. Exactly. There's, there's yeah. arguments either way. And, like, it, at this point, they're all three are in my top 10. So it's like, it's just a, a pick of who you like better almost at that point and how you're going to defend them. Well, does uh, does Steph have an Oscar? Because that's that's something Kobe has over him. <laughs> yeah. That uh, that's true. That's gonna be there for a little while. Yeah, he can just like make some short film as like Kobe did. Was like he that. in Hustle? I don't think Curry's in Hustle. No. Bummer. Yeah, there goes his chance on that one. <laughs> yeah. Watch out for a Hustle pod coming out later this summer. Yeah, we'll have stuff. we'll have something like that for sure. Um, something else I kind of wanted to get into on the Warriors side, we didn't touch on on this pod. 
uh, was we got to talk a little bit about Clay. And obviously, I've been the guy defending him to the death of me throughout this whole series and throughout this whole postseason. And yeah, he had some stinkers. Yeah, he was nowhere near as good as Jalen Brown was. I'll take the fall for that one. Jalen Brown clearly outplayed him. But it, the my, the point I was trying to get across with that bet with Riley and going against Jalen Brown in general is that this narrative that Clay Thompson was cooked was absolutely preposterous and so stupid. And like it showed by the end of this finals that like, yeah, he was having some off games, but his defense was back in some of these games too, which was absolutely great to see. He was kind of locking down Jalen Brown. And I don't think Clay Thompson is as good as he was in his prime three or so years ago. I think the injuries are clearly going to have an effect on him, but he's still clearly a very good player and someone that you can't count out. And I just think some of the narratives that were going around this postseason were so stupid. Yeah, I mean, game six, Clay never showed up, but no, absolutely, um, yeah. But I agree. It, it it it's hard to like. You can't really hate on the guy because it was cool that he even was able to come back. It's a miracle that he's able to be playing the game of basketball. Um, which and that's why I've been a little bit more tolerant of like the like the fu like where the champs tour from him than like maybe some other individuals, but uh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I agree. It, it's nice to see him back overall. Played hard. I don't think he'll ever be an all-star again. I don't think he'll ever be the same caliber he was again. But he came around significantly enough in the last couple of games of the finals and looked, like, competent enough and had enough high flashes. I think he'll always be like, a holy shit, like, that that dog is in him <laughs> type of player. Like, he'll he's not going away by any means. He's – Going to be incredibly effective for another handful of years. Yeah, I think a whole year, a whole full off season too. Like it's going to be interesting. To yeah. see how he fully comes back. Just be very the- careful practice, Clay. Right. Like I think I think we'll get to see real Clay Thompson next year. We're going to have a full off season, full rest, kind of see who the real him is. And it could be a bit worse. It could be better. But again, just I, I can't say enough. And like obviously I was wrong about the game six Clay thing closing it out, but I was right about the game six overall being the end of the series but again clay thompson just i hated those narratives so much that i had to put money where it was and was completely wrong but still it it proved my point that clay is just not cooked or not dead and anyone who thought so (laughs) bill simmons is so stupid i I agree i think as much as a as much as the warriors play for steph they play for like those three guys a lot of times and clay like I remember, like, when they had their, like, I think that month, month and a half, like, holy shit, like, this team's so, like, exciting and, like, they have a lot of really good young talent. Let's just wait and see what happens when Clay comes back. He's not back yet. It, even though he never, like, was that much of an insane, like, force on the team, just that, like, will of waiting out for him, that probably got them to where they are to win the finals. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it certainly played a role, and that was something I kept saying, too. Like, it's coming. What if we just keep up this pace until he right. gets here? I was going – that was one of my big arguments against you, John, when you were going against them all the time, was I was saying, like, listen, these guys haven't played one minute together all regular season. Like, they're just starting now in the postseason, having not played together for now three years. Like, it's going to take a little time. And eventually, like, it got to a point – that's why I think you saw them kind of get better as the postseason went along was that they were just gelling. They were finally getting the groove back, and you saw it come together. Facts. Facts. Big facts. Um, How was it? Was the series fun? Like, (laughs) all right, like, objectively, was it a good, like, finals? (laughs) I I, I do think last year was a bit better. 
I mean, I, I had agree. A great time. I had a great time with this finals. <laughs> I don't think this by any means bad. I thought it was like pretty good. Yeah, I think I, I think there was just more on the line for this one. Like last year was just like someone's getting their first title. Like this will be cool either way. Like this one was like a lot. Like was riding on the Golden State stuff, and then like Boston, we kind of knew there was like kind of kind of important stuff. Like obviously, like yeah. Boston losing wasn't going to be a huge deal, but like. Tatum's gonna get some shit now for a while. Like it's gonna be annoying for Riley to deal with. Like it's not gonna be fun. But like Devin Booker wasn't shit on for losing last year at all. No. Yeah. Um I think the only thing that it frustrates me about this finals is game four, obviously, is gonna be remembered as like one of like Steph Curry's like if they do like a demo reel, like how actors put like a demo reel out before they get cast in movies, yeah. that'll be like steps for the Hall of Fame. Like, will that be that game four where he was just catatonic and was playing credible? Um, so that was like the big standout game for sure. Other than that, I think the rest of the games were okay to mediocre overall basketball yeah. from both sides. By the game, end, some of them, they just got crazy well. stupid. But Yeah, game yeah. four was definitely the standout. And I mean, there were some moments in uh, Game Six, like the Steph Curry like pointing to his ring and the the nighty night, which of course were great moments. Those will be played on loop forever. Those will haunt you, I'm sure. Well, Having, that's three points. He's been doing that forever, though. So I didn't even consider that like a Celtics thing. Oh, no, like he's been doing. It wasn't a Celtics thing, but like having those were like the the finishing touches on the championship that your team lost, pretty much. I think that's just like a kill shot, more so than like making fun of the Celtics. Yeah. Honestly, the Draymond one is going to be more annoying. The <laughs> fact that he, he scored like eight whole total points, it was crazy. I guess we, let's finish it talking to him because we really didn't, and I know it'll piss you off. No, I don't want to talk about exactly. him. Exactly. I know it'll piss you off, so I'm going to talk a little bit about him. He was really, really fucking good in game six. He was amazing in game six, as bad as he was in some of those games before and deservedly deserved shit. Like, he was the, the Draymond of old in game six, and you can't even say he wasn't. Triple single. He had twelve rebounds. That's 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 a double. Mid. You know what? He's I don't want to talk about Draymond. Fuck that guy. That guy's a bum. <laughs> You're no, he's all right. making... Yeah, John. John, help me here. He's he's. I've, I've had to think a lot about it. Like it's it is incredible, like the effect he has on his team and what it is to people. But I, there was a lot of mo- moments this finals where I'm like, what is he actually doing out there? It was kind of annoying and. There's parts where I'm like, did you play Kevon Looney, who's like grabbed like 20 plus rebounds at different parts of the series? I'll say this. I just, I really, it's really funny to think back at like the Kevin Durant era Warriors, maybe even before people were like, oh, they're going to split all three of them up potentially at some point. That never happened. And in retrospect, I can't believe that was even a thought. But like, people were like, wow, it's going to be crazy to see Green on a team of his own. I, I don't think, not alone, not do I, not only do I think, could he never have a team of his own? I honestly don't think he'd work very much of anywhere else. <laughs> it's it's at that point, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing. And like it's it's he, amazing, he, but he, I think they don't hate like, him. <laughs> he's like two. He's like two more seasons away for becoming the Iguodala guy, where he, all he does is just like he's in like a jersey, but he's just like an assistant coach, pretty much. Well, that's actually something I wanted to say, Riley. I was gonna bring up the point. This was probably Game Six very likely the best and last Draymond game. Like, he might never be good in a basketball game again. Like, <laughs> at this point in his career, he's really has the chance to not be effective. Well, if this was the high, I'd hate to see the low. Let me <laughs> tell you that. 
This was oh, okay. Stop it. Oh, stop it. He was the, one of the best players on the floor in game six. Real, real Grant Williams energy coming from him. Are you kidding me? John, help me here. Come on. Grant Williams, you know he's the lights out. You're, Draymond had 12, 12, and 8. Almost had a triple-double with two blocks and two steals. No, yeah, Grant doesn't affect the, the whole game like the way that Draymond does. So, I think. Rob I mean, I'm just kidding, down. but I, yeah. I, I just don't really want to talk about Draymond. <laughs> Fuck that. It's annoying. The entire thing is annoying. It's fair. The fact that he finally showed up one game in, and now he talks all the trash like he he helps to do anything of value over the entire series. He had one good game. I disagree. I think he had. A, I think he played a major role in keeping that team up to speed, keeping them. He fouled out like three games. Yeah, but like he he does so many little things, dude. He keeps he keeps that he's a glue guy. He's the glue. He keeps the team focused. He keeps them. He I don't know what to say, but he he he's important. I think Steve they win the Kurt title. Doesn't even like him. I think they win the title if he like didn't play the postseason at all. I don't. I disagree. I don't know who's I, playing I his minutes. So you if you put Kaminga in his minutes, you think they win the title? Looney. No, you probably put you get Kavan out there. Well, Kavan was already out there. You get some B elite action. I just think I think you guys are underestimating the impact he has on the court. I'm kind of. Upset I think you're that. overestimating his impact. Oh, it's, no, there's an crazy. impact. I, I, I think it'd be. I all think right. he's okay. You're absolutely <laughs> crazy. You're absolutely crazy. He's okay. He he's better than okay. Well, remember when he was pretty good. If you're like, he's like a pretty great player. Like, look at all these things he can do. And what takes him over the top and makes him an amazing player is the attitude he has and the aggression he brings. Now that he's like not good, the attitude is borderline distracting and like can be disruptive. As a guy who was rooting it's for way the other more team, annoying yes, now than it used to be. Yeah, when you were rooting against him, sure. But like for the team that he's on, they all love the guy to death. They do. No, there's no denying it. It does make an effect. I'm just saying, I think it's less valuable when he's just not even that great anymore. In theory, yes. Like right? anyone can do that. PJ Tucker can be that. But like, no, Bev does that steps. every single game. Oh, I think you guys are absurd. Plus, he's just, he's just forward Pat Bev at this point in his career. I think Pat Bev's a pretty valuable player. I do too. All right. I, I'm I'm done with this final. <laughs> all right, all right. Last Warriors question to close it out because this is a just a genuinely question I have going forward for the Warriors because obviously they're going to probably be able to do whatever they want, but they have three free agents: Gary Payton, Jordan Poole, Looney. Who do you bring back? Do they bring back all three? What do you think they do with those guys? Oh, uh, they probably don't bring uh, back I would... Gary. Yeah, I feel like Gary Payton's the fall guy in that situation. They they all are probably going to get a back, and they all kind of deserve Yeah, I agree. Gary will probably yeah. get him somewhere else because, like, as good as he is, I feel like they need, like, the, like the really amazing upside of pool. Uh, they really are do struggle in, in the bigs department. They probably don't have to pay Kavon that much. They might have to pay Gary a little bit. And, like, again, I think his trade value will never be higher. Trade him now and package him for something cool. They may have to – Get rid of Looney though, just to no. clear some space for Wiseman. They need to find some time to yes. get Wiseman minutes. Yeah, I, I think they'll yeah. have to like evaluate like before they sign, right? It's like, can we actually play Wiseman? Like, what's going on here? Because if Wiseman can play, like he's better than Looney. Like in theory, like he does all the things Looney can do. Maybe just not rebound as well. But if he's healthy, like they would realistically should just be able to put him into those minutes. 
and he might be even be better and have a more upside. Yeah, no, I I would uh, I would agree with that. I think Peyton is probably the most disposable for what they have, even though like it, they definitely used him and needed him in this series. I'm sure they could find some replaceable reproduction from a veteran. And yeah, I, I think Looney goes if they want to get Wiseman some time, but Poole is essential. He's got to be there. I agree. All right. I really like Poole. Yeah. To kind of wrap up this segment of our two-part podcast on the NBA Finals, I kind of wanted to close it out by asking you guys a postseason question. Kind of not focused on the finals. We talked about the finals ad nauseum for I don't know how long we've been going now. There's so much to talk about. But wow. looking back, reflecting on this postseason, I'll go first to kind of give you guys some time to think. Just like favorite moments, things that stuck out that really didn't have to do with Warriors and Celtics because we've talked about them so much. And I could even bring up like the Al Horford dunk on Giannis, which was absolutely amazing, or the Jason Tatum buzzer beater against the Nets, which was so much fun. But I'm just trying to think of other moments that this postseason that we really didn't get uh, much time to talk about and just things you'll remember going forward. Uh, One that I wanted to kind of say was I think the Joel Embiid buzzer beater against Toronto in like round one his his revenge uh, when Kawhi got in Toronto I thought that was one of the cooler moments this postseason I'll like kind of always remember that just as something in Joel Embiid's career that was kind of big for him hitting a three and hopefully can propel him moving forward and something he could ride I don't know if there's anything you guys wanted to that sticks in your heads yeah, there's this huge shot that Chris Paul made to cut the lead down to 42 in game seven <laughs> of, against Dallas Mavericks at the very end. That was huge. Um, no, That's I, what, I think, you bring that up though, Riley. It is kind of funny because I will always remember that like series itself and like what the hell exactly. happened to those sons. Yeah. so crazy. I, really that was really like the first time of our generation. Like there's obviously the time where the Warriors beat the Mavericks like the We Believe in – the Mavericks were a one seed and they lost, but this was the first time where the one seed really went down in an embarrassing fashion against the big, a big underdog. And yeah. uh, it was really yeah, a coming home stuff. party for Luca, right? It was like, we really now, like he hasn't had those playoff moments yet, but like, that was it. it was like, awesome. he, he got to the Western conference finals. Luca's here. Like it's, it's, it's now. Definitely. No, I would definitely incorporate that. It was very validating for um, this podcast. That's never believed in the sun. Agreed. Anything? Yeah. Anything for you, John? That kind of stands out. Yeah, honestly, I just feel like we have to take Jimmy Butler and the Heat really seriously. As much, as tough as it is, I love the Heat, but like he's just consistent. I think he may have had some like, oh, was it just the bubble lingering over him? But his like his closeout performance since the Sixers, Tobias Harris over me, like <laughs> that's the sound but I think about pretty frequently. So I'm excited to see what they do in the off season. Yeah, that'll be interesting for sure. Another fun one, just to keep shitting on the Suns, even though this didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, when Jose Alvarado like came from behind and swiped the ball from Chris Paul, it made me so happy because Chris Paul I, is such a guy I love to shit on for being annoying and being like a little pest and like mugging you. So like having Jose Alvarado get him with that after Chris Paul was like, he'll never get me with that. Are you kidding me? I don't know why. That, as like a guy who's really petty, that, yeah, no, yeah, I was like, that was a funny moment. Yeah. That's a good one. Anything else, or are we good to go? Uh, maybe shout out the Grizzlies for that. The taking the uh, Warriors to six without Jaw that's pretty huge. Even though yeah. by the end, we I think the Grizzlies started to wear on all of us as like personalities. 
Yeah, that one game where they blew out the Warriors with well, that jobs. That's a good boring. bring up because if you remember, around that time was probably our lowest point for me and you, Riley, as a podcast because that's when the Celtics lost game five. And that's also when the Warriors lost by, I think, like 50 in a game. That was a pretty fun. And that was probably the only time I wavered on the Warriors at all. I was like, what is going on here? That's when I was generally concerned. I'm like, how are we losing by 40 or 50? to the shitty Grizzlies team without jaw. It didn't make any sense. And that was a crazy time for sure. And that was after the Grizzlies had that amazing series with the Timberwolves that'll probably never get remembered. But that series was a lot of fun and a lot of junk too. Yeah, true. The playing tournament continues sure. to be awesome. I feel like, yeah, like the Spurs Pelicans wasn't great, but I really loved them. It, it was all worth it for the Wolves and the, um, who the, the Wolves and the Clippers. It was, it was a great game. Yeah, for sure. A lot of fun this year. And they'll kind of put a bow on it. Um, again, dubs and six couldn't be more happy. Riley, get owned. I haven't. I've been nice to you this whole podcast, but this another seat in the books, guys. Yeah, this, this is tough. This is my personal "I told you so" moment where I'm telling you I told you so. That's it. <laughs> Any response? No. <laughs> you don't. You don't have one. But yeah, like you said, this is pretty much season two in the books. Obviously, we're gonna have a little bit more to come uh, in the off season to wrap up officially season two and that'll start tomorrow this podcast is going to drop on tuesday and then the next day we'll, on wednesday we'll have an nba draft preview podcast that we're going to record right after this it'll, that one will probably be like 20 to 30 minutes we won't have too much to say we're not huge college basketball fans but we, we have some takes we'll get them out to you guys yeah make sure to stay tuned at hoopin's pod twitter instagram tiktok to us uh, to follow and see when we're going to be dropping that stuff and we'll be back in like 10 minutes with this podcast. See you guys soon.